a lot of people are in that sort of desperate mode at the moment, not quite knowing what's going to happen, not knowing whether their business is going to survive, not quite knowing how to be agile, how to adapt, how to adjust. And in doing that, what they're doing with their offering is that they're discounting it down in many cases to zero. So they're saying, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to put on this free this, or we've got this product, we can ship it out to you for free. All of this kind of stuff where you're devaluing what you do down to the point that if you're being strategic about it, and there is a strategy around converting that into business at the other side, fine. The danger, I think, is that many people that are doing it haven't got that strategy in place. They're doing it out of desperation to remain visible, remain present, keep uh, keep or build a list of potential customers or prospects. But the, the, the danger is that they are setting a new unconscious perception that what they are doing isn't worth anything. And there's a real danger that that sticks. And there's a real danger that because that sticks, the market as a whole becomes less valuable. This is Crisis Cast 2020 with me, Toby Goodman, a podcast where I get timely wisdom from experts in life and business. These guests will answer my five questions, sharing wisdom and insights to help you and me get through this global shitstorm. Today on Crisis Cast 2020, no relation to the pet detective. David Ventura, a consultant who specializes in key account management, I'd normally see him at school pickup a few times a week where he's generally about to go or returning from some sort of long commute, working with clients or doing a speaking gig. So since I couldn't catch up with him at the local pub with the other dads, where we'd often find ourselves talking about running business and the best service station on the M40, I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to discover more about what he does and more to the point what he makes of this situation. And by the way, if you're wondering about the service station, it's Beaconsfield because parking is great and Pizza Express is always a winner. Before we start the show, I have something for you if you identify as pod curious. It's perfect for you if you're an expert, consultant or business owner. Maybe you're wondering if podcasting is worth the effort, especially now, or perhaps you've tried podcasting in the past but have been disappointed with the results. In this free guide, Podstar, I'll share the exact seven steps we use to help publish over 2,000 podcasts each month. To get instant access, go to podcastnetworksolutions.com. David Ventura, thank you for joining me today. Toby Goodman, you're welcome. Let's start with this crazy crisis cast 2020 with the first question. What has been your experience so far? Good question. By the way, I'm loving the alliteration on your crazy crisis cast um, power of three there as well. Didn't really even enjoy that. It. Didn't even mean well, it. But the rule of three is very important, even in comedy. Yes. 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 Let's see what I did there. So uh, what's been my experience so far? Uh, do you know what? It's been just been really surreal. It seems like years ago where I was sort of last in front of people. I did a session up in Leeds about maybe three weeks ago, middle of March, and I was driving back down the M1 as I, as I normally would. And it just, it seemed like, well, is that the last time I'm going to be speaking in front of a large group of people face to face for a while? And for the foreseeable future, I think that's the reality. So it all feels a little bit surreal. Having said that, we sort of hunkered down in Shea Ventura and have been sort of in the house 
and gardens since and haven't really ventured out. We've ventured out around the block a few times for a walk. We've done the trip to the co-op, or I've done the trip to the co-op to sort of pick up the bare essentials, which is the weirdest shopping experience I think I've ever had. Um, Tell me about that. I've not been there for a a few weeks. It was starting to get weird, but I, I believe it's got weirder. Yeah, well, just the whole sort of, you know, queuing for half an hour to get into a relatively small convenience store, standing two metres away from everyone else. And and you know what's weirdest about the whole thing is everyone's looking at everyone else with that look in their eyes, questioning, what have you got? (laughs) And, you know, whether it's what have you got that you might pass on to me or what have you got in your basket that I think I need and you've now bought the last one of. So, you know, we were quite lucky most of the, the shelves still had had food on but you know the the kind of stuff that seems to be missing everywhere toilet roll pasta that's all gone and you just think when is this going to get back to some sense of normality so i think much like everyone else how have i experienced it so far just really surreal really surreal some of the things that have probably surprised me i felt and i'm feeling relatively relaxed I'm feeling relatively reflective, feeling relatively rejuvenated. So I've been off the coffee, which is weird. I don't know what you're like with caffeine on a daily basis, but uh, you know, when I'm out and about, there tends to be quite a lot of that. And uh, being off the coffee has probably led to slightly better sleep, slightly better rest. And yeah, just feeling slightly more alert, actually, um, in, in a weird way. You'd, you'd think that caffeine would, would get you more alert, but not having it actually seems to be a lot better. So, th- so that's been uh, a weird surprise. I'm surprised that I haven't had to send my kids up for adoption yet because, you know, several weeks locked in a house with two little ones. I've got a five-year-old um, and a three-year-old, as you know, Toby. And that I thought was going to be a much bigger challenge than it has been so far. Touch wood. And yeah, yeah, I think surreal and surprised. Yeah, there's still time, obviously, for them completely to completely drive us up the wall. But uh, but yes, I, I, I'm echoing that. I'm echoing that. You're the first person I've spoken with who is in my immediate local vicinity. So it's quite interesting for me to just hear what your experiences are because we're, despite being you know a few rows away, we're still having a having a different experience. Well. That's interesting. I mean, let me just add to that because that's an interesting point, actually, and one that I think I've I've been reflecting on. And that's that we feel typically very close together. You know, we we, we see each other when we we do school drop off and things like that. And yet, we now feel as far apart as everyone else in the world. You know, there's a very strange feeling in the area where if you don't live on the same road, you know, and therefore you might see people going past your house for their daily walk you're not seeing them. So therefore, you, I mean, you, you might only live a few roads away, but you might as well be in a different country. Yeah, that's true. Well, there's still time. We may see each other two metres apart at the local shop at some <laughs> point. So getting a little bit more serious in tone, humans, how are we going to get through it? David? Hmm. How are we going to get through it? Um, do you know what? Someone threw this quote at me a while ago about something else, actually, but I think it sits perfectly fine with this as well. Uh, And they just simply said, these things will pass. They might pass like a kidney stone, but they'll pass. And I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. As as humans, how are we going to get through it? Um, Patience, optimism, having a bit of focus, having some short-term objectives, having some stuff to do. I think there is a, a physical health demand on on people at the moment to stay well and stay fit. 
there's a mental health demand on people to stay well and stay fit and and there's a demand i think to stay connected with people whilst we're distant there's a demand on staying positive and optimistic about the opportunities in business that, that when everything actually feels and seems and looks pretty bleak so there's a there's a high level of sort of demand on people and actually if you think about it one of the things that's happened is that you know everyone in the world has had this unexpected and very unwelcome change kind of forced upon them. And change management is a bit like grief, number of stages that, that we're going through and we're kind of mourning the the old world. And people will start off with sort of denial, you know, this won't affect us, that this is abroad, this is happening in China, it's not going to come here. And then the anger sets in when it does actually start to affect us and when we start getting restrictions on daily life and businesses are being told that they have to close and and, all that. and then you kind of move into the sort of bargaining and depression phases you know what if and if only and then i guess what i call staring at the pothole someone said to me once one of the biggest killers of motorcyclists in the uk is potholes so when you're learning to ride a motorbike they tell you to be aware of the potholes but don't stare at them because if you stare at them you're more likely to cycle towards it hit the pothole and therefore have an accident so that depression thing really for me is staring at the pothole not being able to do anything about it and getting into that self-fulfilling prophecy of, of self-sabotage but then moving through that onto that sort of acceptance and experimentation commitment the innovation the creative phase where actually you start to sort of come out the other side and and I, and I think everyone will be going through that cycle at varying different speeds, at varying different stages. And yet we're all going to do it. I think I, I've seen lots of people very much in the depression stage. I've seen lots of people very much in the acceptance and the commitment stage. And, and actually, you know, there's some great innovation going on in business at the moment. There's some, some you know, small businesses that have overnight just, just repurposed to, to live in this new world. Their agility has been phenomenal. And then there are some big businesses who you'd think would have the capability to be agile, and yet actually they're just sort of sat there waiting for things to pass. So I think that's that's been really interesting. And from a human point of view, I think those that are winning at this are those that are keeping their humor and being creative. And I think the internet will win in, in this whole crisis. The, the internet keeps people going, right? This, the jokes, the memes, the videos, everyone will, will have flying around on social media and WhatsApp. Those are the things that are keeping people going from a human point of view and enabling people to stay connected whilst being forced to be distant. That's a real big thing. I'm seeing a lot more, a lot more compassion. I think, um, you know, people, people spend a large amount of conversation saying things that are cliched or disingenuous. And I think the primary example of that is how, how often, and I'd guess high in the 90th percentile, would someone start a conversation with you by saying, how are you? And yet, most of the time, the answer to the how are you question is, fine, thanks, how are you? And actually, there's no real meaning behind the answer. And there was no real care behind the question. Now, I think when people are saying, how are you? They, they genuinely mean it. And, it, and it's, a, it's a thing about um, compassion. It's a thing about empathy. I think people and maybe you know projecting their own stuff uh, onto others you know do you know what i'm i'm not fine so when i ask you how you are please tell me you're not fine too so that we can have that conversation rather than the fine how are you bit which normally comes about so i think that's that's been really uh, interesting from a human point of view one of the things that i always talk about in work it's a mnemonic around you know effective teamwork effective planning effective problem solving the mnemonic that i use is the mnemonic opera so the o stands for objective uh, then we move on to the plan execution of the plan for the E, and then review and amend. And I think those people that are winning are the ones that are reviewing and amending the plan, 
but sticking to the same objective. That's, I think, really, really important. That There are too many people now trying to come up with a new objective for a new world or a current world. And actually, it's just about reviewing and amending your plan to keep delivering on what it was that you set out to deliver on in the first place. And it's interesting you were talking about the fact that those small businesses are being super agile and, and impressive versus some of the larger businesses. But that's that's always been the way. You know, the big businesses have got so much red tape to get through before they can pivot uh, <laughs> my favorite word of, of the year but yeah it's it's really great it's great to see that i've seen some uh, seen some really good stuff so internet's gonna win for sure the, i would be i think we'd all be in trouble if our internet connection goes down that seems to be the, the the main concern so on the other side on the other side of it what's this going to look like for people but let, let's talk about you how's how's it going to look like because you're a road warrior you're someone who goes up and down the uk and flies up and down all the way up to scotland and you're always traveling and speaking and doing all of that stuff do you reckon you're going to be able to do less miles on the other side of this? I'm really hoping so. Do you know what? It's one of the things about my work that that I probably would change if I if I could, and that's you know less less miles. So when I think about the you know yeah, I'm a road warrior, right? I'm I'm always traveling. I'm always up and down the country. I'm always seeing people, and yet that's just how I execute the objective. And the objective is really helping organisations and supporting them in their campaign on delivering great service to their customers. You know, really uh, the strap line I always use is the first rule of business is to look after your most important customers before someone else does. And that hasn't changed. You know, that that is what I do. My 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 job, my mission if you like is to support organizations on how they bring that to life. It's just the way that I'll execute it now has has forcibly changed and I think hopefully for the better. I think I'll really I'll, I'll miss my work if I don't get to see people face to face. I'm not saying I want to do everything on the internet, but I do think that there's an opportunity to do more online now. So there's two things about the whole remote working thing that I think will come about. One is that employees of businesses for decades will have been saying to their bosses, please let me work from home more. We work in order to live. We don't live in order to work. And Actually, my work-life balance is really important to me and I want to spend more time at home. Please, can you let me have some flexible working time? Please, can you let me work from home a bit? And the bosses have been saying, no, 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 it's not possible. We don't have the technology or we need you in the office because there are meetings to be had or you know, I, I, need, I need you where I can see you. Those are the, the more sort of untrusting bosses that, that think when they're out of, out of sight, they're not doing anything. And there's all these different excuses that bosses will have been given to their employees. And now what's happened for the last few weeks is that people have proven that it's possible. Forcibly so, but but they've proven that it's possible. And they'll be knocking on the door of their bosses after this saying, you know, you've always told me it's not possible. Well, I've just proved you, to you that it is. So, you know, can we have that conversation about remote working again? So I think that's going to happen a lot. And the other thing that, that's going to happen is that the accountants of every business, all the CFOs up and down the country will be saying, how much money do we spend on rent space, uh, office space and, and rent? How much money do we spend on travel? Uh, how much money do we spend on you know those, those conferences that we have once every couple of months? How much money does that cost us in hotel rooms, et cetera, et cetera? And I think there is a massive cost saving to be made uh, through using the technology and allowing people to dial in for it. Yeah, totally agreed. It's funny, I, I just grabbed, as you were talking, I just grabbed my copy of, of the four-hour work week. Yeah. And... 
that that came out and t- I just checked. I just wanted to check what year it came out, 2007. There's so much of that is about negotiating remote working and there's this thing called remote work is going to change your life. And and there's so there's so much detail about how to negotiate with your boss if you're employed, how to basically work from home. Mm. And now even the most old school of, uh, of employers are having to tool up a remote workforce even when yeah. they're super traditional and like the idea of a nine to five. So yeah. it's... Yeah, it's funny that it, it's come true. Everything that Tim Ferriss has said has is, is kind of forcibly come true in, in a matter of weeks, you know. Do you know what? But I also, it's, it's, I said this already, but it, it's about trust as well. And, you know, the majority of my work is with sales organizations. So, you know, with, with, with the key account management, it's really about how we're defending those accounts from the opposition. It's about how we're building them, how we're developing them, how we're selling more to them. So the sales organizations and lack of trust between leaders and sales teams is rife in, in, in businesses up and down the country. And what I'm hearing a lot, and, and, I, and it, it really upsets me when I hear this, I'm here, sales people, sales managers, sales directors saying, I can't let my people work from home because if I can't see them, they won't do what they're supposed to be doing. I don't trust them. And you just think, well, where's the issue? Is the issue with the team or is the issue with the leader? I know where my answer lies. But it's got to change. If you're allowing people to work from home, then actually you've got to be clearer on your objective. The other thing I think that just just come to mind, you know, the government keep banging on about this being a war that we're in. And if you're going to use language like war, then you could do some some real good by looking at some of the stuff that we can learn from from the military. The U.S. Army have for years talked about this world of what they call VUCA, the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And actually, in order to turn that negative world, the VUCA negative world into a positive VUCA, the V needs to stand for having a vision, the U needs to stand for understanding, the C needs to stand for clarity, and the A needs to stand for agility. And and if I just come back to the clarity thing, having clarity of what you want people to do makes remote working easy because it's easy to track. If I said to you, Toby, meet me at the London Eye at three o'clock this afternoon, do I really care how you get there? No. I just care whether I meet you at the London Eye at three o'clock this afternoon. And if I'm really clear, like crystal clear on what I want you to do, and I'm prepared to give you the training, the development, the support in order to how you might best do it, and I'm happy to give you the autonomy and the freedom to find your way to that destination, then that's where the trust lies. The trust comes in whether or not you get where I tell you to get to. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Trust is definitely a big part of it. It's um, yeah, it's funny to see a few people squirming, but but having having to trust their employees else, um, they'll go under anyway, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. When it comes to your your road warrior in lockdown, how are you helping your clients right now? How are you aiding them? Because I'm assuming that obviously they know they're not going to see you, and that that must hurt. And secondly, have some of them got tech problems? Are you being senior um, technical support officer for certain people or are you delivering the value that you deliver in other ways? Like, how are you helping get results in this environment? And I know you're working from home. So what is, what's that like? Yeah, right. Um, okay, so there's a couple of things there. Um, so, so first of all, so we're, and we've used this word a few times today, actually, actually, when we're, we're talking about help. Um, and and I'm, I can be a bit obsessed with, with, with language and... and the effect that certain words have, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure these days that the customers want to feel like they need help. 
um, and actually whether or not instead of help they're looking for support and and support something that we can all give each other whether it be support through guidance expertise tangible support that businesses can offer each other um, or whether it just be the sort of human to human support that that we can that we can have just by connecting with people and having a chat. Um, so I think you know from a, how am I supporting customers? Um, in some ways, it's business as usual. The, your question about what what does this look like at the other side? Uh, everyone has got that on their mind, whether conscious or unconscious. They'll be thinking about what what next. And I guess my job is to support people in exploring what next for them and their customers, and and to make sure that. You know, if they're going to have downtime, and a lot of my customers, unfortunately, are having forced downtime. You know, one of my customers is in the hospitality sector. All of their sites are now are now closed to customers. Much like many other businesses, they've had to make use of the job retention scheme and furloughing many of their many of their staff. Um, so there is a forced downtime where. Uh, business is not as usual for them. So the opportunity in that is that they use the time to focus on, well, what's, what's, what do we need for the new world? Um, and there's a few things that, that I've been banging on about for years and, and I continue to bang on about now. One of those things is, is having decent plans in place with your most important customers. So if you, you know, if you were leaving your business today and passing one of your most important clients on to someone else who was going to look after them going forward, you know, what would you need to be handing over to make that transition seamless? And do you have that in place today? And if you don't have that in, that, that in place today, what are you going to do during this downtime to put that in place? And that can plan, as I call it, would be really much sort of focused around what do you know? What's the current situation? What's the intelligence? What are you looking to do? What are your plans for the future? What are your intentions? And then the final one really is, well, who needs to do what and by when? So what is the implementation plan that's going to see that through? So intelligence, intentions, and implementation. And if you've got that three-part CAM plan, then the other side of this, you have something to carry out. You have something to enact. So in the downtime, you know, part of the support that I'm doing with, with my clients is you know, working with them on their CAM plans, looking at what do they look like now? What do we want them to look like in the future? What training and development do people need in order to carry those out? And, and what do we need to do to hit the ground running when everything gets back to some form of, of normality? The other thing I think is about, you know, we're, we're checking in with customers on a, on a daily basis. We're, we're talking to people. We're saying, you know, how's things in your world? One of the questions that we need to be asking um, really is, you know, if you look back over the last 12 months and, and working with us, you know, where have we met your expectations? Where have we exceeded your expectations and where have we fallen short of your expectations? And having a conversation about genuinely understanding what the last 12 months of working with us has been like for that customer, um, that gets you in a good position where you've got some, some, some real intel, some real insights that will, that will guide you in, in, in changing your offering or, or tidying up your business model going forward. So, so I think, you know, how am I, how am I supporting customers right now? Really business as usual. And, and a lot of the stuff that I, I bang on about or was banging on about before all this, uh, I'll still be banging on about after it. And it's just about delivering it in a slightly different way at the moment. The whole working from home thing for me is with two young kids and we haven't got a massive house. <laughs> so we're, we're limited on space and it's a challenge, you know? And I think the, one of the other things with remote working is that people, the etiquette around remote working has again, forcibly changed. I think we're having to accept that kids are going to walk in in the background. You know, you might hear stuff going on 
in another room in the house and your internet might not be as good as the the fiber that you've got in your office in central London or all of these things. Your The lighting might not be as good. Your tech might be 10 years older than what you had at your desk. Uh, whatever it might be, the etiquette and the acceptance of real life, I think, has has changed. So I, I, think, I guess I'm battling with all of those sorts of things, trying to make uh, the right time, the right space to to keep keep on trucking, you know, whilst also trying to get things done and, and keep a business going. And that's going to be on everyone's mind at the moment. You know, it's, it's tough times for, for businesses. And at the same time, if, if people are remaining optimistic, looking for the opportunity, then it will pass and, and you'll be fine on the other side. Yeah, totally agree. Let's close this out. I've got two questions. The last one is very quick, but the, but the first one is going to be something that we touched on before we press record, which is what's impressed you or surprised you since this kicked off? And you had a really interesting thing, which I completely agree about around value and what's happening with people and their value proposition and what's going on. So can you elaborate on that? So yeah, this is one of my soapbox moments. It's it's just something that sort of irked me a little bit, I guess, when I'm looking around. And I, and by the way, I totally understand why. So I think a lot of people are in that sort of desperate mode at the moment, not quite knowing what's going to happen, not knowing whether their business is going to survive, not quite knowing how to be agile, how to adapt, how to adjust. And in doing that, what they're doing with their offering is that they're discounting it down in many cases to zero. So they're saying, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to put on this free this, or we've got this product we can ship out to you for free as a test or whatever. All of this kind of stuff where you're devaluing what you do down to the point that if you're being strategic about it and there is a strategy around converting that into business at the other side, fine. The danger, I think, is that many people that are doing it haven't got that strategy in place. They're doing it out of desperation to remain visible, remain present, keep uh, keep or build a list of potential customers or prospects. And um, But the, the, the danger is that they are setting a new unconscious perception. This may not be at a conscious level for prospects and customers, but unconscious level, they're setting the perception that what they are doing isn't worth anything. And there's a real danger that that sticks. And there's a real danger that because that sticks, the market as a whole becomes less valuable. You know, pe- People will start to question whether or not there's any real value in that product, bearing in mind it was free a minute ago. So I get the compassion, I get the humanity, I get the everyone's in this together and, and the rally together. But for me, instead of discounting in times of hardship, you defer in times of hardship. So if you need to have conversations with your prospects and customers about payment terms, about um, doing something small now with a view to doing something big later, you know what, what can you do to defer that investment rather than discount it? Because by discounting it, you're running a massive risk of, of, of devaluing it. And the, the other thing I think, you just in, in that uh, social media space, and I'm seeing this a lot, and this is a really hard balance. I mean, we're doing it right now. This is the crisis, uh, <laughs> you know, the crisis cast. This is all about um, you know, the current situation. And yet, everyone's talking about the same thing. You know, um, you've probably been like me. You turn on the news and you're, and you're thinking, what else is going on in the world right now? Is this the only thing that's happening? It can't be. And the same's happening in business. The same's happening on social media where everything is about this. And you don't want to be adding to the noise. And at the same time, you don't want to miss the opportunity to be in the conversation. 
So I think that's a that's a real challenge. So for me, that one of the big things is about if you're going to contribute to the noise and contribute to the conversation, you keep it in line with what you actually do. How many people running their own businesses or just a member of staff that's been maybe furloughed off uh, for the time being, currently claiming to be experts in crisis management, experts in you know remote working, ex- experts in all of this kind of stuff, and then tomorrow they'll be back to the day job. Adding to the noise is one thing. Being in the conversation is another. Be in the conversation, but leave the guidance and the advice to those that will still be doing this in 12 months time, in my view. Totally agree. My Facebook feed, as I'm sure yours is, is full of people who are reposting news articles that I've already read, you know. So why, why are you doing that? Yeah. You know, like, so my, my feeling is you get, get your news from trusted sources, from experts, wherever you want to get your news. In this country, mainly people are, I think, getting the news from the BBC, although some not. And it, yeah, it's funny. People are, there's a ton of people on, on my feed that are just reposting news. Like, like well, I'm not yeah. getting my news from Facebook. I'm getting my news from the news source. The news. And, um, and I'd rather you carry on talking about other stuff. And, and, and my feeling also is that getting when you get the news knowing that it's essentially going to be you know um even even with the bbc frankly sometimes a little bit sensationalized maybe with like death counts and graphs and stuff and and it's like if you know that that's what you're going to be walking into which we are definitely for the next you know month or so uh, remembering that when you see a statistic that has you know how many people have died in your local area as as the main thing is don't look at that just before you go to bed that's not cool that's like not a cool thing to do yeah so i think it's okay i think it's okay to still talk about what you do how you help or rather support people in the ventura language and that's that's okay it's okay to carry on as normal it's not disrespectful um but yeah still still being well informed that's certainly a theme that's coming up across the conversations that i'm having now you're obviously a deep thinking man and it turns out an acronym specialist Apparently so. Acronym or or mnemonic, you know, mnemonic and acronym. You know, I I get confused between the two sometimes. I like I, well, I like both, and and uh, maybe we could have a uh, just short two minute episodes where you just go through them because that would really help me fill <laughs> fill some episode content. But let's talk about how people can find you if they would like your support and what that looks like for them, where they might be now, and where you can get them. So everything I do is currently free. <laughs> no, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> so best place to hook me up really is on LinkedIn. There you can check me out and see some of the stuff that, that I have been talking about. Get in touch, start a conversation. That's the way everything starts. So for me, there's no complex way to getting in touch with me. There's no complex offering. Start a conversation. Let's see where it goes. Let me know what your challenges are right now. And I will point you in the direction of what support might be available. Are you looking specifically for business owners? If someone had a job role, what would it look like? I always talk about the 80-20 principle, um, you know, and, and it's so relevant for most businesses where you know, such a large proportion, often 80% of their revenue and profit comes from just 20% of the customer base. Um, if that's you and you run an organization where your most important customers, uh, if they left you today, your business would suffer terribly tomorrow and you're worried or concerned about what the other side of this might look like with regards to your big relationships in business then uh, that's the kind of person that that i typically work with thank you very much david ventura my pleasure to be goodman
This episode of Crisis Cast 2020 was produced by me in London and Kate Astrakhan in Michigan, with artwork by Ryan Field and sound design by Lee Turner. Crisis Cast 2020 is a production from Podcast Network Solutions, a full-service podcast production company who are ready to help you plan, record, produce, and promote your message with podcasting. To find out more and grab your copy of Podstar if you're feeling pod curious, visit us at podcastnetworksolutions.com. <laughs>